Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. All right. Well, uh, I know that my new favorite mascot is Santa Danny. Uh, That beard is coming in strong, Danny. Thanks for doing that. Uh, No, my quarantine nickname, uh, the last thing that I ate mixed with my high school mascot would be the barbecue lions. Uh, So keeping it fresh. For those of you wondering, no, I did not have barbecue for breakfast. Uh, I just haven't had breakfast, so there's that. Um, but uh, we are in this series, Dear God. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about the realities of what we're all experiencing. And, and what does it look like for us to talk with God, to engage with God around these challenges that every single one of us faces? Whether we're facing these challenges because of the current quarantine, whether we're facing these challenges because we're human, and it's just the reality of what we all wrestle with. These are the things we're talking about. And it's so much more than just teaching you specifically word by word how to pray or what to say. What we're talking about is the importance of understanding how God loves and relates to us and how we can relate back to God and relate to other people. And so it's not just, hey, I'm teaching you some words to memorize. This is the core of what does it mean to believe in Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus And how does that look in my day-to-day life? So we've been in this series. I want to read. We're in Matthew chapter 6. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer. um, And this is what we've been looking at. In verse 9, it says, uh, Jesus is talking and he says, This then is how you should pray. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, is what we talked about last week, and and today, uh, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Now, it's interesting. We've been talking about this line by line and and this whole prayer. There's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of uh, things that are really kind of powerful, and to the people that Jesus was teaching this prayer to, they would have never heard a prayer like this before. Prayers were much more rigid and religious than this was at the time. And so you can almost picture the the people kind of standing around, the disciples standing around as Jesus is teaching, and uh, you know, you know, Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, and the disciples like, yes, yes, God, yes, Lord, agreeing. Uh, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and the disciples, yes. Absolutely, God, your will be done in this world. Fix things, make things better. And then Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. And, and the disciples are like, yes, give us the, the daily bread, the sourdough bread, the, uh, the rye, whatever it is, uh, and forgive us our debts. And the disciples are like, yes, forgive us our, our, our debts, our, our mistakes, forgive us, God. And then Jesus says, as we have forgiven our debtors, and the disciples are like, Wait a second, what? Uh, Let's rewind this back a second. This whole prayer is this beautiful thing about talking about who God is. It's this beautiful idea of talking about the relationship that we have with God. It's this beautiful request for God to meet our needs. And then all of a sudden, Jesus turns it and says, as we forgive 
our debtors, as we forgive those who have wronged us, who have sinned against us. This idea of debtors, debts and debtors, it's, it's a financial term, but it's talking about the mistakes and, and the wrongs that we have done. Uh, the ways that we have missed the mark, the ways that we have hurt someone or, or screwed up, this is, this is what it's talking about. And then all of a sudden, this prayer that is all about the goodness of God and who God is, and God, would you help provide for us, and God, would you forgive us, and, and just the same way that we forgive other people, all of a sudden becomes this very scary thing. It goes from God, yes, provide, thank you, I'm amazed, to, oh, I've got a part to play in this experience as well. Um, when Jesus is done praying this prayer, teaching them this prayer, the very next thing that he says, I think maybe he could sense a little bit of the anxiety that the disciples had in that moment. In verse 14, Jesus said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins just to, to put like a little bit of a period or maybe an exclamation mark on the thought of how closely linked these things are together. Man, a lot has been said about forgiveness. Um, forgiveness, you know, you don't have to be a Christian to understand even the idea of forgiveness. This is something that everybody is aware of, everybody's familiar with, everybody's trying to figure out on some level. Some of us are trying a little bit harder than others. Uh, maybe with some people we try a little bit harder than with other people. Um, but a lot has been said about forgiveness. I've heard people say, you know, when you forgive someone, you're refusing to let them rob you of your joy, which is like a beautiful thought. Um, they say not forgiving someone is like eating rat poison and expecting it to make them sick, uh, which again is like, man, that, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, it's like holding this bitterness or this grudge in my heart. It's not healthy. Uh, some people have said, um, you know, when you forgive someone, it's like setting someone free and realizing that the prisoner was you all along, which again is like this beautiful, powerful thought. And these things are all true, but they are not easy. Just because they're these powerful phrases does not mean that it makes it easy for us to actually live this out, to actually understand what does it mean to forgive. It's a tough thing for us. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis, a, a well-known author, he said it best. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. I think of the same thing maybe with the disciples when Jesus was teaching them to pray. Father, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Yes, Lord. Yes, we agree as we forgive the people that have sinned against us. All of a sudden, now forgiveness is not quite as fun. It's not quite as exciting to get behind. It's a difficult thing. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for a lot of people I know. And I'm sure that for many of you watching today, it's difficult as well. There's a few things I want to talk through on forgiveness before we kind of jump into the, the, the ending of this message. And we're, uh, the idea of forgiveness, it's massive. Honestly, we could probably do like a seven or eight week series just on forgiveness, but I don't think anybody would still be coming to church by the end of it because it's not an easy thing. We could talk about bitterness. We could talk about revenge. We could talk about the idea of getting even. We could talk about all kinds of things. So I want to try and condense it down to a few things today, but there's a, a few things I want to address because it's super important for us to be honest about these things because 
I think that for a lot of people, they have heard the wrong thing, maybe from other pastors or churches. They've heard the wrong thing from other people that they respect or friends. Uh, and so I want to make sure we can talk about this. Um, the first thing is that forgiveness is different than condoning. Uh, forgiveness is different than condoning something. Just because you're forgiving someone does not mean that you are condoning the action that they did, the thing that they said, the, the way that they handled themselves. It's different than that. It's not attached to condoning their behavior. But one of the concerns that we have is if I forgive them, they, it will make it seem like I'm okay with what they did. And, and that is just simply not true. Uh, we have to get beyond that in our own minds. That's not something that other people are making us feel. That's a fear that we have because we want to make sure that they feel a little bit of the pain for what they've done. So we're concerned about the justice issue. Uh, forgiveness is also different than forgetting. I know a lot of people talk about this idea that, you know, when you forgive someone, you should be able to forget it. Uh, you should be able to never have it in your mind anymore. And, and biologically, that is just not possible. Uh, we can't have selective amnesia about things. Now, over time, if you forgive something, maybe over time you forget that it happened or it doesn't come up as often in your mind. But being able to forget something does not equate to your ability to forgive something. It, it's okay to remember what people have done. Um, in fact, part of forgiving something is making a choice in the face of what somebody has done, making a choice to forgive them. And so there's a piece of really having to remember what they've done so that we can actually forgive them. Uh, forgiveness is different than justice and consequences. Uh, a lot of people, again, you know, one of the, the big hesitations that people have with forgiveness is, is that they are worried that the other person will not get the consequences for what they did. They won't receive the justice for what they did. And, and forgiveness is not attached to these things. Uh, there's natural consequences that may happen. There are relational consequences that may happen, but forgiveness is separate from these. We're going to talk about these a little bit more. The last thing is that forgiveness is different than reconciliation. Reconciliation is kind of a big word. We don't use it a lot, but Jesus actually says that we are supposed to be ministers of reconciliation, which means one of our primary things that we're supposed to do is try to, to heal a relationship, bring things back together. This is what Jesus did for us. He, he brought us back into a relationship, and, and ultimately what we're invited to do is to help bring people back into relationship, whether it's with us, with each other, with creation, with God. There's this idea of, of reconciling a relationship, but forgiveness does not always mean that a relationship can be reconciled. You can forgive someone and still get a restraining order on them. I know it's, it's a hard right turn, but I want to be clear because there's a lot of people that have used this idea of forgiveness in a very abusive way and it's caused a lot of damage. Forgiving someone does not mean allowing them to continue hurting you. Forgiving someone does not mean staying in an abusive relationship. Forgiving someone does not mean giving them free reign to, to hurt you, to hurt the people that are closest to you. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciling or keeping in relationship with a person. All throughout the scriptures, we are commanded to love others. We are commanded to be kind to others. We are commanded to forgive others. But it never tells us that we have to be friends with everyone. 
That is not a command that we have. And never tells us that we have to be in relationship with everyone and let everyone into the, the closest parts of our heart and our family and our lives. So there's this important thing for us to realize that forgiveness does not equal a healed or a, an ongoing relationship. Um, there's a couple other things I just want to say quickly. Uh, forgiveness is always personal. It always starts out with me. Um, I can forgive someone without actually having a conversation with them. Um, there's a, a, a large part of forgiveness that has to do with me, and that is the, one of the most important things that we can begin to hold on to because for many of us, I, I've experienced this and, and many of you have experienced this, is that, man, I don't, I don't know if they actually are sorry for what they've done. I don't even know if they know what they've done. I don't know if they know how they've hurt me. I, I, I don't know if they know what they've put me through. They for sure, if I told them what they did, they wouldn't agree with it. Uh, they wouldn't agree that it should have hurt me. They, would, you know, they wouldn't be repentant or apologetic in any sort of way. And so uh, forgiveness always, always, always starts off as a personal thing for me, between me and God. The, the last thing is that forgiveness is a process. Uh, it is for sure not like a light switch where you just flip it and they are forgiven and it is done. You've moved past it. Uh, one person said it this way. They said forgiveness is more like farming than it is architecture. You know, in architecture, you, you come up with a plan uh, and you build the building and it's hard work and, and all that. I'm sure I've never done any of that, uh, to be clear. But, but you get to a point where it's done. The building is built. The plan has been realized. With farming, there is this ongoing process of season after season after season, and sometimes there's a lot of rain, and sometimes there's a little bit of rain. And, and with forgiveness, the reality is, is that sometimes there is no ending point where you get to look back and look at this you know, building. You get to look back and look at this forgiveness that happened. For many of us, for myself included, there is a journey, a process of forgiving people, and sometimes it comes up over and over again. You'll, you'll live your life, you'll, you'll feel like you're, you're past it, and then something happens, and all of a sudden you're starting to feel that pain, you're starting to feel that wound again in a way that you haven't before. I know for me, in my uh, own life, there's a few relationships uh, that have been incredibly painful, some family relationships and family dynamics. And, and uh, honestly, it has been an ongoing forgiveness process for me for about 21 years. Uh, so it is not something that I have figured out how to do successfully all the time. It is an ongoing process. And there was times in my life where I got to a really good spot. And then all of a sudden something would happen in my life, like when I got married or, or when we started to have our own family, that all of a sudden some of these past hurts started to come up again and I had to start reworking this because forgiveness is more like farming than it is architecture. It's a process of on and on. When we forgive, we are extending to other people the thing that we want most for ourselves. We're offering other people the thing that we want most for ourselves. And that's a difficult thing to understand and it's a difficult thing to come to grips with. And for the next 10 minutes or so that we have left, this is what I wanna be able to explore a little bit with us. I wanna try and hone in on this idea. There's, there's kind of two pictures of forgiveness, two ways of, of looking at forgiveness that I wanna talk about today. Uh, the first one 
is a little bit goofy and silly, but you're going to have to just bear with me. Uh, the first way that we can kind of understand forgiveness is uh, by thinking of a snorkel. Now, if I were a betting man, I would assume that not a single one of you thought that I was going to bring up a snorkel today. Uh, actually, I tried to find a snorkel for today, uh, and um, I wasn't able to, but I don't know if I could really preach with a snorkel in my mouth anyways. But I, I want to talk about this idea of a snorkel, and we all kind of understand what a snorkel is. Maybe you've been snorkeling in you know, Hawaii or different vacations or things like that, maybe even locally. But a snorkel, if we were to ask, almost everybody would say a snorkel is what allows me to breathe in when I'm underwater. And that is true, but it's, it's really kind of half true. A snorkel does allow you to breathe in, but... Uh, breathing in is only half of what your body needs. Breathing out is the other half. There's this process of, of pulling air into your lungs and then also breathing out uh, the unnecessary parts of that. It is a in and an out. And so we talk about forgiveness and this idea of understanding a forgi- uh, of a snorkel. Jesus says uh, in this prayer and, and after the prayer, he says, if you don't forgive others, then God won't forgive you. Now, some people turn this into a transaction of if I don't, then God won't. And, and I'm not sure that that fully encompasses kind of what Jesus is trying to say here. God's grace and God's forgiveness are offered freely to everyone. And I want to make sure that I say that with a very clear underline. Grace and forgiveness is available to all of us, regardless of your past, what you've done, uh, what you've experienced, that is the way that God stands and looks at you. If you refuse to do your part in forgiving others, then we are cutting ourselves off from experiencing fully the, the forgiveness that God has for us. It is like we are breathing in and we are unable to breathe back out the snorkel. We are taking in forgiveness and we are unable to offer it to other people in our lives. And so ultimately it will begin to suffocate us. Not because we weren't able to receive it, but because somehow we stopped the flow and we were unable to to give it, to offer it, to extend it to other people. Things cannot be right between me and God if they are wrong between me and someone else. And and throughout Jesus' teaching and even later in some of the other New Testament letters and writings, we get this picture that we are a part of a massive flow, kind of this this massive river, this massive flow of a process. And and this is the second way I want to kind of look at the idea of forgiveness. The first way is through a snorkel. We we breathe in forgiveness from God. We experience the forgiveness that God offers us. And there is this crucial part of us being able to breathe back out to extend forgiveness to other people. And the second way is through this idea of this massive river or this massive flow. A number of years ago, I got to go to Texas um, with some other pastors and and we were on this retreat. And one of the days, um, and and some of them were from that area. And in Texas, there's a a thing that people like to do because it's hot and there is nothing else to do in Texas. Uh, I said it and I mean it. Uh, But uh, they said, today, we're going to go on a float. And I immediately assumed that we were going to be in a parade of some sort, but uh, the conversation quickly turned to a float being you get in a giant inner tube and you get in the river at one spot and you float down the river and you get picked up at some other spot 
later on down the way. And so I'm like, okay, so we all load up and we drive and we get to this river and we get out and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. It is insane how many people are waddling down to this river with their giant inner tubes. They, they get in and they get in this stream, this flow that started way before them. They jump into it at one point and they ride it out for as long as they want to. And of course, it's like redneck central. I mean, you got people with like coolers floating beside them and cowboy hats and, and the whole thing. Um, and uh, it was a ton of fun. But this idea of, of the flow of this river that we, we step into this thing that started way before us and we get to ride it out. And other people are experiencing the same thing that we are on. It's a flow that we are already receiving. And when we refuse, when we won't, when we can't forgive others, when we can't extend them love or forgiveness, it blocks the flow of love and forgiveness that we're able to experience. When we breathe in through the snorkel forgiveness, but we won't breathe out to other people, it begins to slowly suffocate us. We have to understand that we are getting in this flow, this river, this experience of forgiveness and grace that started way before us. We get to jump in and experience it and we get to allow other people to experience it also from us. It's less about God not forgiving you and more about you not being able to experience forgiveness. How could you feel or experience forgiveness if you are unable to extend it to someone? If you truly felt you know, this idea of forgiveness in your lives, maybe you have felt like somebody forgave something powerful for you, uh, something huge, something significant that you did, a mistake you made, something you said. There's this idea of once we start to understand how we were forgiven, then all of a sudden we have to start to recognize that, man, I need to be able to offer this to other people also. The flow begins way before you. You step into it and you are responsible to extend it to others. This is what Jesus is inviting us to pray. God, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. There is this flow of taking in and sending out that started way before us and we get to experience it in our own lives. Otherwise, you're asking for something to be given to you that you cannot give others. And at some point, um, that flow stops. Oftentimes, our issues with forgiveness, our issues with others, really comes back to ourselves. Sometimes we struggle to forgive others because it's difficult to forgive ourselves for things that we've done in the past. Again, this is something that I've wrestled with for years, um, really, truly being able to forgive myself. And just like with anybody else, it is a process to learn to forgive yourself for your past mistakes. Um, oftentimes, though, for us, if, if we're unable to forgive ourselves, then we're, we'll never be able to forgive someone else. There's a, a story that Jesus tells. Uh, it's a parable. It's not a true story, but it's a story that Jesus told because he wanted people to understand who God was and, and how he cared about them. And, and this story, you may be familiar with it, it's called The Prodigal Son. And uh, I don't have time to read the whole story, so I'm gonna paraphrase it, but essentially there's this very wealthy man. He has two sons, and one of his sons, a younger son, comes to him one day and he says, Father, I, I want all of my inheritance now. 
which may not seem like that crazy of a thing, but in that time, that would have been incredibly disrespectful. It would have essentially been like saying, Father, I wish that you were dead and I could just get on with spending what I would have now. It was a a really painful, um, hurtful thing that this son would have done. And the father uh, gives his son his inheritance. And the son goes off and he obviously starts off great, partying, living a life of luxury. And, and inevitably, he spends everything that he has. He ends up absolutely broke and poor and destitute, uh, living with animals, trying to eat the food that farmers were giving animals. And eventually, he just realizes, man, if I could come back to my dad, maybe he would let me be a servant for him. Not even let me go back as his son, but let me go back and become just a servant at least. So the story goes on and and the son begins walking back and the father from far off sees the son walking down the road towards him and the father runs to the son and he wraps his arms around him and he hugs him and he says that he gives him a kiss and this is idea, this picture that before the son ever said anything, before the son could apologize or even ask just to be a lowly servant, the father had already forgiven him. The father had already extended love and grace and forgiveness. It began before the son could ever ask for it. God's love and grace and forgiveness are yours before you even have a chance to ask for it. This flow of forgiveness started way before you and you are stepping into it once you realize you need it. It has so little to do with you and so much to do with who God is. It existed far before you ever had the chance to ask for it. Paul said it this way in Romans, a letter that he wrote, chapter five, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Essentially, before you knew what was up, before you understood your mistakes, before you realized how broken or lost or uh, confused you were, before you deserved it, Before you asked for it, Christ died for you. This this ultimate gift of love and grace and this offer of forgiveness before we ever asked for it, before we deserved it, before we recognized that we even needed it. Forgiveness is a flow and it began far before us and we get to step into it in our lives. A lot of us have grown up with this understanding of kind of, uh, you know, to, to be religious, to be a Christian, you know, there's this idea of law and, and you have to do certain things to get a certain amount of good points on God's side. And, and, and kind of that's the idea of law. You know, if you do good, you can earn points and, and be in favor with God. If you do bad, you lose points. And, and many of us really, we, we've kind of always understood God or Christianity or our faith to, to look like that. You're kind of in with God sometimes, you're out with God other times. But when Jesus came, he made it so clear that his gospel, the good news, is that there is no longer a point system. The point system is not at play anymore. You can't do things to gain favor with God or do things to lose favor with God. There is a flow of love and mercy and forgiveness and acceptance that is, that is coming towards us and it has nothing to do with what we do 
or how we act. It has everything to do with who God is and the way that he sees us as his children. In this prodigal son story, the dad, he welcomes the son home. He hugs him, he kisses him, and he throws a huge party for him. Obviously, there's another son in the picture, the older son. And the older son is furious because he saw his younger brother go out and he saw him, A, hurt his father, insult his father. Then he go out and he, he wasted and squandered everything that he had been given. And then he comes back and he sees him just being welcomed in regardless. Man, what about the consequences? What about the judgment? What about all of his mistakes? Isn't he ever going to have to own up to any of this stuff? Not that any of us would ever ask these types of questions about people that have hurt us. This is obviously a different thing. Is he ever going to have to pay for those mistakes? Is he ever going to have to acknowledge the, the hurt that happened? Is, he, is there ever a chance that we get to pay him back for what he did to us? Or he just gets to come back in like, like nothing ever happened? The older son, actually, he refuses to go inside and be a part of this party that the father is throwing for the younger son. And the father goes out to the older son, who is infuriated, and they're having this conversation. And one of the most powerful lines, I think, maybe in all of Jesus' teachings, the father says to the older son, everything that I have is already yours. Everything I have is already yours. And I wonder for us, if we start to step back and look at it from this idea of forgiveness in our own lives, I wonder if instead of thinking about it as I need to earn it, I need to do enough good to be deserving of it, I need to figure some things out so that I can uh, be good enough for it, what if we step back and read, uh, hold, held on to this idea wrapped our minds and our, our hearts around this idea that everything that God has is already ours. The grace, the love, the forgiveness, that we get to step into this flow that started much before us and it has nothing to do whether or not we are deserving of it. There is no point system. And what Jesus is inviting us to pray is it the same way that we get to experience that and breathe that in, we need to extend that to others. And that is hard, and that is scary, and that is a process. What does it look like for us to receive that which is already ours? We don't forgive because other people deserve it. We forgive because we are forgiven. We don't forgive because other people have, you know, paid enough penance. We forgive because we have been forgiven. It has nothing to do with them. It is personal for us recognizing because I have experienced this, I'm going to extend this to them. I'm not letting them off the hook. It doesn't mean there won't be consequences. It doesn't mean I need to allow them to hurt me again but I do need to extend the flow of forgiveness that I have experienced in my own life. Jesus gives this challenge. He's teaching us the most practical way to show the world that we understand forgiveness in our own lives is by showing that we know how to forgive other people. Paul, again, he's writing another letter to another new church. Uh, and this one can be found in our scriptures in the book of Colossians in chapter three. He says it this way. He says, 
put up with one another, <laughs> which like if you're going to rank Bible verses, uh, uh, you know, authors just like, would you please just try, like just the most parental, like could you just try to put up with one another? It's like Paul was living in a quarantine in an apartment with his family. Put up with one another. Forgive Pardon any offenses against one another as the Lord has pardoned you or forgiven you because you should act in kind. It's not because they deserve it. It's because God did it for you and you didn't deserve it either. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You are doing something to act in kind, to extend the flow that you have stepped into in your own life. Forgiveness is rarely an immediate thing. And the people, the experiences, the, the pain that you have in your mind right now, because I know I have experiences in my mind right now as I'm talking. And I am sure that you do too. And I bet that the ones that you are thinking of are not the little, you know, the, the little fits and bickering that you got into with your roommate or your friend yesterday or with your spouse or your kids this morning. I bet the things that you are thinking about are things that you have experienced, their hurts, their pains that you have experienced years ago. And you have always wondered if you will ever be able to forgive, if you will ever be able to let go, if you will ever be able to get past that experience, past that hurt. And I know it's not the answer that we want, but it is a process of forgiving. And it does not mean we let them off the hook. It doesn't mean that they don't get justice. It doesn't mean that we have to continue in a relationship with them, but it is always personal. And I have to extend it if I want to receive it. I have to breathe it out if I want to breathe it in. Otherwise, it will ultimately suffocate me and I will not be able to make it. With forgiveness, we begin by measuring success in millimeters. With forgiveness, it is not about these massive steps that we take. Success, when it comes to forgiveness, is tiny steps. It is moving forward inch by inch. And when we see that we have done that, we count it as a success and we celebrate I know it would be great if we were way further down the road, but maybe tomorrow you will wake up with just a little bit less resentment in your heart. Maybe tomorrow you will wake up with just a little bit less bitterness. Maybe the next time somebody says that person's name, you won't have that knee-jerk reaction. You won't make that immediate face that you have made in the past. Maybe the next time that you find yourself in that experience again, you won't be haunted by the experiences of the past because even just a little bit of progress, a little bit of movement forward, just the millimeter of forward progress is success in this journey or the process of forgiving people. Is there someone, is there something that we need to do this with? Imagine what it would be like to not carry this around. Imagine what it would be like to allow this flow of forgiveness to come not only in our own lives, but also then to move out towards others. Um, There's a pastor that said it this way, and I think it's really powerful. He said, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy 
But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving person to another. I want to read that again because I think it's a really important point for us. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy because they did something to us, they caused a pain for us, and if I forgive them, somehow it's rewarding them, it's letting them off the hook, it's letting them get away with something they never own, they're not taking responsibility for, it can be a painful thing. But in the shadow of the cross, or in the shadow of what Jesus did for us, or in the shadow of how God loves and forgives and pours out new mercy and new grace for us every single day with all of our mistakes and all of our past and all of our baggage, in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is simply a gift from one undeserving person to another. It is not easy, it is not quick, and it is not fun. But this is what it looks like to invite Jesus to transform our hearts and our minds by stepping into this flow of forgiveness for everything that we've ever done. And it has nothing to do with what we deserve or if we've earned it. We step into it and then we extend it to other people. There's this uh, reality for us that a relationship with God begins with experiencing forgiveness. And experiencing forgiveness begins with acknowledging that we need it. We don't have to earn it. We just need to understand that we need it. And when we experience that, it not only invites us into this relationship with God where Jesus is inviting us to pray, God, forgive us our debts. But when we understand our own need and we experience the own uh, the forgiveness in our own lives, then all of a sudden, we're allowed to extend it to others as we forgive our debtors. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today and I hope that I get to see you soon.